Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. hear a message from God's Word, and uh, we're looking forward to that, and I'm so thankful that uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Josh Ermler is here. He pastors the Ambassador Baptist Church in Fresno, California, and I remember when I just had a dream in my heart to go and start a church, and I'm not sure all the details, not sure how that was going to play out, um, but I'm thankful that there were some people in my life that partnered with us and partnered with our church. And, and uh, Pastor Josh was one of the first people to say, hey, we're going to get behind you and uh, we're going to support you with prayers and also financially to get this church off the ground. And so uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to Pastor Josh and Ambassador Baptist Church and Jenny. And uh, I didn't know this, but I found out this morning they celebrated 10 years at, at, in Fresno there and uh, celebrating 10 years. And so we're celebrating one year and they're celebrating 10. And so uh, it's a great day all the way around. And so, uh, Pastor Josh, thank you for being here. You come and uh, preach the word of God to us. And let's give him a warm Rock Hill welcome tonight as he comes and preaches God's word for us. Well, I am super excited to be here. If you have your Bibles, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14, is where we'll be in just a moment. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14 here today. Oh, we're losing everything. I'm here to say, man, I probably one of the best decisions that we've made, and one of the things I'm so excited about is about a year and a half ago when we received the letter uh, from Matt about uh, starting this church. I am so, so glad uh, that we stepped out and got behind you guys. I mean, being here tonight is just awesome. I'm, I'm so pumped, and we've heard some wonderful things about what God's doing here, and to just see it in person is awesome and unbelievable. Um, I, when you called me a few weeks ago, you had mentioned something like, yeah, we're going to be doing this thing, and we're going to be, you know, we've got, you know, the worship team has written their own songs, and they're going to sing them that night, and, and this is horrible that I thought this, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, that's cute, you know, they're... <laughs> There's this little church, and you know they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna write some songs, and, and I'm gonna have to stand up and pretend like I enjoyed them, and uh, so <laughs> I know. But that was awesome, and, and I mean, obviously they were well written, and obviously the, the worship team did an incredible job, uh, but I love just the focus on the person of Jesus Christ, and uh, just great job. Thank you so much for that labor of love worship team, and I really believe God's going to use these songs, not just here at Rock Hill, uh, but I think there'll be something that'll be used literally uh, around the state, around the country, and so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. And then to the church family, oh, let me just say, thank you for your faith. Um, it takes a very special, unique, and I use those words in all the most positive ways, all right? to be a part of launching something brand new. And I, I just want to be the first one to just commend you and say, man, thank you, thank you, thank you for being the type of people that dream. And then put action to those dreams, and uh, you're inspiring a lot more people than you'll ever know. And uh, we have the opportunity of kind of keeping in touch uh, through social media and different things. And there are just so many churches that are being encouraged by your faith uh, that God is using. And it is just an awesome and exciting thing. 
as Pastor Matt said a moment ago, this today is our 10-year anniversary. And so we've been going at this thing for 10 years. And because of that, they did some extra things in the service this morning that I wasn't anticipating. So the service actually went longer than we were planning. And we do, we do multiple services in the morning. And so uh, we kind of got out of there a little bit late. And then I was starting to worry, man, I hope we can make it here on time. And, and we're, we're driving along. And it's just we, uh, we, had a, we had a fun time. Now, I, I will just say this, kind of joking around a little bit. Before I got married, We've been married like 14 or 14 years this month. And uh, before, yeah, yeah, before I got married, I was, I thought I was a pretty good driver, you know, never got in an accident. You know, I just, I was all pretty. Then I got married and I am regularly reminded now that maybe I'm not such a good driver. I mean, Every time we go, I, I, probably three times on the way up here, I uh, had to hear Jenny shriek in my ear. Ah, like we were, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think we're, the way she screams, is like literally, I think, I think our lives are ending. We're about to meet Jesus, you know? I just like the, the and I look, and you know, it, this, this car's like 50 yards ahead of us. And she's got this look on her face, you know, like it's all over. And uh, so I had, we, we endured that, but we, we made it safely. We arrived. And uh, we're here, and I'm just, I'm so glad for it. Um, I hope this is all right. I, I, when, um, I think any time a church family steps out to, to do what you guys are doing and, and launching a, a fresh, brand new community of faith, um, it, it's an awesome thing. And, and, and one of the things that I'm thankful for are people, men, leaders, um, who are willing to really dream a dream and then put action to those dreams. And uh, I, I'm just so, if I, can, if I can say this in the right way, I'm, I'm really, really proud of a Pastor Matt, of his wife, his family. And uh, I remember it was about a year, year and a half ago, you were in our living room and we were talking over this thing. And I'm like, so how's it going? You're like, well, you know, I think, you know, God's got to do some stuff. And, and here we are a year later and look what God's done in the last 12 months. And it's, it's awesome and it's exciting. And uh, we're just pumped to be a small part of it. As one who's kind of been through some of these uh, seasons and some of this process, um, you might, as a church family, never fully know the sacrifices uh, that, uh, like a pastor, that they'll have to make in order to uh, lead a church. And uh, I just felt, as we were praying about it this week and 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 uh, just preparing for today. I just, from my wife and I and from our church family, uh, Matt, I just wanted to say just thank you for your faith. Thank you for being willing to dream. And uh, so we got together, and uh, as a church family, uh, we have a gift for you and your family. And I hope, you know, I know there's a lot of sacrifices that have made to, to kind of start a church. And I, I'm hoping that maybe this gift in a small way, maybe you can take your family on a little trip and to do some things for your kids. So if you'll just thank, thank him for his willingness to come in faith. Why don't you join us real quick up here? I want to just give this to you. Thank you so much. I love you, man. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. And I hope, I, I hope that you'll never take for granted the, the people around you that are willing to labor on your behalf. And the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And I think that's a biblical thing. And uh, don't take for granted the fact that uh, you're part of a church that's really going forward. Well, enough with the introductions. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 14. I love the theme of this particular week. I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll dive into our text here today. 
The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14. Let's do this. We'll uh, start reading in verse number 22. I'll do my best to read down through verse number 29, and then we'll just kind of go at it. I'm not really seeing a clock, so I guess that means I get to preach as long as I want. Is that, is that, is that kind of the, un, the unwritten rule? And uh, so I, I, don't, I don't want to preach one of those, those Pharaoh messages. You ever know the Pharaoh messages, you know, where Pharaoh, well, Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go, you know, and so I don't, don't want to preach that, that type of mountain. We're going to let, we're going to let God's people go here eventually, uh, but uh, we'll, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, all right. Let's get into this. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number uh, 14, verse number 22. Here's what the word of God says. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he was sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he, he, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. As a theme tonight, I want to just simply say this. We'll dive into it, unpack it a little bit more as we go. But if we're going to step into a miracle, we've got to get to a place where we're willing to step out of the boat. If we're going to step into a miracle, we've got to step out of the boat. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this thought here today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege that you've given my wife and I to experience what we've experienced over the last few moments. And Lord, I pray with every fiber of my being that what Rock Hill Church has seen over these last 12 months would simply be the tip of the iceberg of what you have for them. I pray that you would honor their faith, their generosity, their sacrifice. And Lord, would you use this church to continue to impact the Inland Empire, Lord, in ways that only you could imagine and only you could dream. I pray that you would use your word tonight to impact hearts, Lord. I pray that you would do through me what I personally am incapable of doing, and, and that's stirring the hearts of your people. I pray that your word would not return void and that you would accomplish, Lord, what you, what you desire for it to accomplish. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, I want to share with you four crucial steps that I see in this passage that really will allow us as a church family to experience a miracle. So we're just going to kind of do a Bible study and dive into it. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 29, okay? So here they are. Of course, we hear the story. Uh, Jesus is walking out to where uh, the disciples are on the boat. Uh, they get out to verse number uh, 28, and Peter answered Jesus and said, Lord, if it really be you, he says, if it be thou, he says, be Bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, we could say it this way. In this passage, 
Peter really is one who dared to dream. Here he is, he's saying, Jesus, if that's really you, I believe that you could call me out to where you are and I could meet you. I mean, talk about an audacious dream. And that's where Peter's at. He's like, no, if it's you, and I, I, I believe if, if you're really Jesus, if you're really who you claim to be out there, then, then I, have, I have this dream. I have this dream that you'll allow me to step out of the boat, step onto the water, and experience your presence right next to me. Notice what happens here. Verse number 29. And Jesus said, Come. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully. Notice Peter doesn't just jump out of the boat the moment Jesus says, hey, it's me over here. It's not like Peter all of a sudden makes this rash decision like, oh, it's Jesus, and then dives over the edge of the boat, you know, to try to walk on these stormy waves. That's not what he does. You see, he waits here for a moment. He waits for Jesus to call him first, which brings us to our first thought this evening, and that is simply this. If you and I are going to be part of a miracle, if you and I are going to experience something like Peter experienced when he got to walk on those stormy waves, then number one, we must step towards God's voice. We must step towards God's voice. Like I said a moment ago, all of a sudden, the waves, they're crashing. The wind is billowing. You can almost picture the scene right here. But Peter doesn't just kind of rashly jump over the boat and run to meet Jesus. He is very cautious. He waits for Jesus to call him first. Sometimes people will say, well, you know what, uh, Pastor? There's a, there's a fine line between faith and what's the next word? Foolishness. You ever heard this before? Well, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. Have you asked, ever asked yourself the question, what is the difference between faith and foolishness? There are a whole lot of people who would say, trying to step out into a, out into a stormy place of water, that would be foolish. A lot of people would say that, that's, the, that's the definition of foolish right there, trying to, trying to walk out into some stormy way. That, that's foolish. So what is the difference between foolishness and faith? If you want to jot this down, I hope this will give you something to chew on for a moment. Foolishness is doing something crazy because it feels right. Let's just start there. Foolishness is doing something crazy because it feels right. We've all been there before. Ah, I know this is a little strange and I know this is a little weird, but it just feels right. You ever, you ever been there before? Ah, I, know this is, I know this is strange. I know this is weird. This is crazy, but it just feels like I should do it. Can I remind you of something? That might not be faith. That might just be foolishness. Faith is a little different. While foolishness is doing something crazy because it feels right, faith is doing something crazy because God says to do it. <laughs> faith is doing something crazy because God says to do it regardless of whether or not it feels right. See, the difference of what makes something foolish in faith is not the act itself. 
The difference is who is calling you to it. So when it comes to these steps of faith, we've got to ask ourselves, am I just doing this because it, it feels like the right thing to do? Or is this something that God is calling me to? Uh, when I was uh, 19 years old, I had the opportunity of going, I guess the best way to describe it was like this uh, spiritual boot camp for college-age students. And, and for a month, uh, I had the opportunity of being in, in Colorado, and it was just intense. I mean, we, were, we had to get up at like four in the morning j- just for like prayer and Bible study, and then we'd have days where we'd fast. And, and I, I had the opportunity, heard about this uh, place where we could go, and it was just going to be intense. This is intense spiritual time, just you and God. And so a bunch of uh, my friends, we made our way, we got on a plane, we flew out to Colorado to be a part of just this, this spiritual boot camp for a month. And we were, we were so pumped, and we were going to really, you know, seek God and, and really try to develop ourselves spiritual, spiritually, but just really be able to keep our focus on Him. And so we decided to do this thing. And it was an awesome experience. And uh, man, 4.30 every morning, we were up and man, just spent hours in prayer and Bible study, had days of fasting. And it was all kind of structured to help us just fix our hearts on, on Jesus. Well, it was during this particular month, one of the emphasis of, of this retreat time was really being sensitive to the Spirit of God and learning to make steps of faith, trusting God, well, on one particular day, we had been uh, doing this for several weeks, and we had a day where it wasn't really structured, and so we had the opportunity to kind of just go out and you know, do whatever we wanted to do, and this was in Colorado, and so uh, me and a few of my friends decided that we were going to take a hike uh, in the Rockies, and uh, anybody here from Colorado? Anybody? So, okay, a few, a few from Colorado, very, very cool, and so we had the opportunity. We went to the uh, Rockies there, and we had heard that there was a place that was called the Continental Divide. And I hear that at the Continental Divide, that basically uh, all the water on the uh, east side eventually flows over to the Atlantic Ocean. All the water that kind of flows down there on the uh, west side eventually makes itself to the Pacific Ocean. It's called the Continental Divide. And so we were at this place where we could literally climb to the very peak of what was called this Continental Divide. There was a place up there you could sign your name uh, that said you had made it. And if you took a bottle of water and you poured uh, half the bottle on this side, it was eventually make its way to the Atlantic Ocean. If you took the bottle and went like this on the other side, eventually it would make its way uh, to the Pacific Ocean. And so we were like, this is going to be awesome. And we decided to make a hike. And for for hours we were hiking and then we got to the main kind of peak. We'd been hiking kind of through foothills for a while and eventually we saw it was this huge, huge, massive peak and uh, uh, on the front, the face of it was just this massive wall of like ice and snow. Now, remember, this is like late May, early June and there's just still snow. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's cold. And on the side of this mountain was a bunch of rocks and boulders and, and so we decided to... Uh, kind of make our way around to where these rocks were, and we climbed for probably an hour or so, and we were out of breath, we were tired. Finally, we made it to the top, and man, we were exhausted, but we signed our names and uh, thought, man, we did it. You know, this was this awesome experience. And uh, we began to talk about how we were going to get down. <laughs> and it just seemed like somewhat redundant to come up the way that, you know, to come down the way we had come up. It was a long hike, and I remember at one point, we kind of, kind of came to the edge where that wall of snow was that went, literally went all the way down the mountain, and one of my friends said, do you think 
we could slide down the mountain. True story. We just stood there. It was, it was like this. And it wasn't straight down, but it was pretty steep. Pretty steep. And we're standing on the edge. And it's like six or seven of us. And from my memory is like, this thing looked like it was like a quarter mile or something. I mean, just, it was huge, huge. And we're standing there, and a couple of guys said, no, nah, we're out of here, we're, we're hiking down. They took off. And all of a sudden, one of the guys said, he turns to the rest of the guys and says, guys, it's all about steps of faith. And he took that step, and whoosh, he went down. And I'm thinking to myself, he did it. I'll do it too. And so I followed right behind. I'm telling you, the moment I took that step, I realized we'd made a mistake. A horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. Man, the moment I sat on that snow, I put my hands as hard as I could in the snow because I was like, I want to stop. I want it to stop now, you know? And I'm flying down this mountain and uh, I'm just like, what in the world have we done? And I'm just scared for my life. At this point, it wasn't about making it down. It was about getting out alive. That was my only concern. That's all I was trying to do. And we're just flying. I have my feet dug into the snow. I have my hands dug into the snow. I'm trying to do everything I can just to stop. But they're just, it, this, this was not going to happen. There was no stopping that was going to happen. And so what felt like literally minutes, I'm just flying down this thing. I see my friend over on the side here and he's flying down, you know, and all of a sudden in the distance, I see this rock protruding right from the snow, you know, just about this much. I'm thinking this, like it couldn't get worse, right? And man, I'm trying everything. And so I just basically roll over on my stomach and I just barely miss this rock. And so I'm flipping back over and now we're just kind of flipping all over the place. I'm thinking this is, this is the worst idea you have ever had. This is horrible. Finally, after what seemed like forever, it started to level out and flatten out a little bit. And then to make matters worse, where the snow had stopped, now there was just all this rock and gravel. I'm thinking to myself, I better get up and start running or this is going to hurt really, really bad. And so I pop myself up and I'm trying not to trip over these stones and rock and gravel, you know, just doing everything I can to try to control the momentum of what's happened over these last few moments. Finally, I was able to kind of stop myself and I kind of tripped a little bit, but caught myself and I turn around and what looked like six or seven little ants are literally flying down this mountain. And all of them are screaming. <laughs> They're just like, ah. And I'm watching. This was, this was really, really bad. I saw this one. Uh, first guy tried to jump up and do what I had done and start running over the rocks and gravel. And at one point, his foot hit one of those rocks, and he just face-planted it into all this, scraping up his arm. Another guy, he had, he, I don't even know what he was thinking. He didn't even try to get up. He just slid right through it all, you know? And I'm like, this is, this is really not good. In fact, this is the worst. One of the guys somehow got turned around, and as he was turned around, he actually hit the rocks on his head. Um, not, no joke, they had to bring ambulances up to, to help this guy. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible mess. Not a, not a good thing at all. You say, why did you tell that story? That was not a step of faith. <laughs> that was a step of pure foolishness. You say, what's the difference? You see, a step of faith is doing something crazy because God has called you to it. Foolishness is doing something crazy just because it feels right. 
See, if we're not careful, there will be opportunities where what we're chasing after, what's calling us, is not God's will. Unfortunately, I've been a pastor long enough to see people who have said, Pastor, I'm just taking a step of faith. I, I, I know we really can't afford to buy this house, but I'm taking a step of faith. It's not Jesus calling them out. It's a big old house. I've had people say, well, you know, this, this, I just really believe God wants me to have that car. And I'm just going to have faith. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know how it's all going to come together, but that car is calling my name. And they're stepping over the ledge, calling it faith, but it wasn't Jesus calling. It wasn't Jesus calling. Ego, pride, the desire for something cooler, something nicer. Can I say this? Nothing wrong with a big old house. Nothing intrinsically wrong with a nice car. But I want to say this. If, if you're going to learn to discern between a step of faith and a step of foolishness, you've got to ask yourself, what's calling me towards this? What's calling me toward this? Jeremiah chapter number 38 verse 20 says, Obey the voice of the Lord, so it shall be well with you. You say, but that sometimes God's going to call me to something that's risky. You know, there are times that God, through his word, is going to call you out into something that your friends are going to say is foolish. What? Go to church on a Saturday night? That's crazy. What were you doing in church last night? That, that's foolish. Why would you do that? But I want to say this. If it was Jesus that was calling you to it, it's not foolish. That's faith. That's faith. There might be times where Jesus calls you out to some radical, sacrificial generosity. And somebody might say, maybe, maybe somebody in your family might say, that's just foolish. Why, why would you give funds away uh, to a church? Or why would you give funds away to a ministry? Or why would you give funds away to missions? That's foolish. But I want to say this. If it's Jesus that's calling you to it, it isn't foolish. Foolishness is doing something crazy because it just feels right. Faith is doing something crazy because Jesus says to. You so say, that just, that just sounds like a big old risk. Here's Peter. Jesus, if, it, if it's you, I have a dream. I have this dream that, that maybe I could join you on the water. But Jesus... I'm not coming unless you call me. That's quite the statement. But I want to say this. The moment Jesus called, here's Peter, taking that step of faith. It would have been foolish for Peter to have done that without the call of God. The exact same act would have been foolishness if it wasn't for the call of God. Do you see the difference? Here's foolishness, faith. You say, but that just sounds so risky. If, if Jesus calls me to step out over the boat, what about if I lose it? How will, how will I make ends meet? What will my family say? What would my coworkers think? It sounds so risky. C.H. Spurgeon said this. He was a preacher in the late 1800s, sometimes referred to as the prince of preachers. He said this. To risk all with Jesus is to end all risk. 
To risk all with Jesus is to end all risk. There is no risk when Jesus says, come. He says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There is no risk when you risk all with Jesus. So if you're going to step into a miracle, first we must step towards God's voice. But let's keep reading. Notice verse number 29. It says here, and Jesus said, come. Notice this. And when Peter was come. Notice in this passage, Peter is the only one who steps out of the boat and into the water. Andrew, James, John, they were like, see you, Peter. <laughs> Have fun. This passage, just Peter. These other disciples, they were there. They could have made the same journey. They could have taken the same steps. But it was Peter and Peter alone who takes these steps, which brings us to our second thought this evening, and that is this. If you and I are going to be part of a miracle, yes, number one, we have to step towards God's voice. But I want you to see, secondly, you need to step away from the status quo. You see, we can't just do what everybody else is doing and expect to be part of something miraculous. The reason so many people live their lives without being a part of something miraculous is because they're doing what everybody else is doing. They're like lemmings, just kind of following. This, this is what we do. This is what we do. I'm here to say, you know, oftentimes, if you're going to be a part of a miraculous journey like Peter got to be a part of, there comes a moment when if you're going to step out towards Jesus, it's going to mean stepping away from the crowd, stepping away from the status quo. If you're going to step out of the boat and into a miracle, you've got to be willing to step away from average. If you're going to step out of the boat, you've got to be willing to step away from being mediocre. If you're going to step into the water, if you're going to step into a miracle, you've got to step away from what's expected, step away from what's normal. You see, this is how we get to step into the miracle. We step into it by stepping away from something. And see, what challenges and what's so difficult for so many people is they want to step towards God's will. They want to step out of a boat. They want to step towards a miracle. They want to step into a miracle, but they don't want to step away from anything. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And there has to be some people who stand up and say, yes, yes, I want Jesus and I want him more than the status quo. I want him more than what's average. I want more than what's just a average and mediocre. I want Jesus. I want his presence and I want it more. It was Dr. Bob Moorhead. Maybe some of you have heard. He wrote a book on Christian mediocrity. He said this. He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been kept, cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. 
He said, I'm finished and done with low living and small planning and smooth knees and colorless dreams and chintzy giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotion or applause or popularity. I now live by grace. I walk by faith. I love by patience. I lift by prayer and I labor by power. My pace is set. My focus is clear. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, I cannot be compromised, I cannot be detoured, I cannot be lured away or turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of adversity. I will not hesitate in the presence of sacrifice. I won't negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity, and I will not meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must give until I drop and preach until all know. And when my time is up, he will have no problem recognizing me. My position will be clear for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you want you recognize what he's saying? He's saying this. If you want to step into a miracle, you've got to step away from the status quo. You can't do what everybody else is doing. You can't live a life of materialism and greed and self-gratification and expect your life to get something different than what everybody else is giving. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter number three. He said, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before Let me paraphrase that. In order to say hello to something great, you often have to say goodbye to something good. In order to say hello to something great, how many of you want to experience something great in your life? It might be time to say goodbye to just something good. Maybe you're here and you want to experience something great in your relationships. And it might be time to say goodbye to something that's just good. If you want to experience something great with your future, you might have to say goodbye to something good in your present. And this is hard for us to do. I mean, we're all willing to say goodbye to something that's bad. But it's a little more difficult to say goodbye to something that's good that frees us to experience something great. I think it was Stephen Covey who said, it's easier, it's easier to say yes to what you need to say yes to. I'm sorry, it's easier to say no to some things when you have a bigger yes burning inside of you. I don't know what it is, but we live in a generation that just, they just want it all. But if you're going to experience God's greatest, you have to let go of some of your good. And that's what we see here. We see Peter not just stepping towards God's voice, but we see him stepping away from the status quo. Let's keep reading. Notice what the Bible says. It says here, and when he, verse number 29, And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water 
to go to Jesus. I want you to see this. It says when he was come down out of the ship. You got to understand. Remember, remember the story here. I mean, the waves are crashing against the boat. The wind is billowing. The storms are raging. This is not like a calm sea out there right now. This is scary stuff. And these disciples, they're in the, they're in the comfort, in the security of that boat. And yet here's Peter who has this dream. Maybe if this really is Jesus, then maybe I can experience something miraculous. And he speaks this dream to Jesus. And Jesus says, come. Which brings us to our third thought this evening, and that is this. If you and I are going to be part of a miracle, number three, yes, we've got to step towards God's voice. We've got to step away from the status quo. But number three, we have to step out of our comfort zone. We have to step out of our comfort zone. At some point, you're going to have to find that thing God's calling you to and be willing to step out of maybe something that's comfortable in order to experience a miracle. That's what this boat represented. It, it represented Peter's sense of security. It represented Peter's sense of safety. It represented this comfort zone. I want to ask you this question. What boat is Jesus calling you out of? I, we talk about, man, those who dream. It sounds so awesome. It sounds so exciting. It sounds like, yes, that's something I want to be a part of. I, I want to be a part of a dream. I want to be a, a part of a miracle. I want to be a part of something big. And I'm telling you, what is often not seen is in order to be a part of something big, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to step away from that thing that makes you feel safe and secure. And this is why most of us never experience the miraculous. Because we can't let go. Because we trust that thing we're putting our sense of security in more than we trust Jesus. Jesus said, come. Jesus was saying, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. And yet so many of us, when Jesus bids us come and Jesus says here I've got something great for you I've got a dream I've got a miracle that I want you to be a part of it's like we're in this quandary between but this is what makes me feel safe this is what makes me feel secure this is what makes me feel comfortable and the reason we never experience the miraculous is because we can't let go of our comfort zone I was sitting in this office one day, and I grabbed one of these brochures. It's kind of a sales brochure. And uh, it was describing a product that this company was selling. And as I was reading it, it described this product as being comfortable. And it said this product was incredibly secure. It was incredibly, it literally used the word cozy. Comfortable, secure, cozy. Uh, what I found incredibly ironic is that this brochure was selling coffins. Some weird words to use for a coffin. Comfortable. Cozy. I just never, I, cozy was not a word that came to mind when I think about a coffin. <laughs> I, I mean, if I were to ask you, you know, you know how, how, many, how many of you would like to spend your time in a coffin? It's, it's comfortable. <laughs> it's safe. It's cozy. 
How many, how many of you are like, that, that just sounds like, that sounds right up my alley. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like, what, like, what in the world? Why wouldn't we? Because we understand coffins are for the dead. Yeah, they might be comfortable. They might be safe. They might even be cozy. I, I don't know. <laughs> but they're for the dead. You see, there's no place for the living. And so it is with your comfort zone. Comfort zones is where people go to die slow deaths. To live out their lives in quiet desperation. Wishing they got to be a part of something bigger. I realize every person in this room wants to be a part of a huge dream. You, want, you have big dreams for your church. You have big dreams for your relationships. You have big dreams for your future. You have dreams for your careers. You have dreams for your relationship and your future family. I realize every person in here has dreams and you desperately want to be part of something miraculous. And some of you will experience it. And I don't say this to shame you, but some of you will not. Because as much as you want those things, you want your comfort zone more. And so you resign your life to live in the proverbial coffin. It's safe. It's secure. It's even cozy. But it's where souls go to die. And you'll find yourself 50, 60, 70 years old, wondering and wishing about what could have been if you would have simply been willing to step out of the comfort zone. Uh, I live up near Yosemite. Anybody familiar with Yosemite National Park? You <laughs> know where Yosemite's at? Yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful. My wife and I love going up there, hiking around. Well, I think it was this last summer was the first time that a climber had climbed the face of El Capitan. Have you seen these pictures of these massive rock, El Capitan? You see them. Ansel Adams has the black and white pictures in Dennis' office, like all over the country and things like that. And they're just, they're beautiful, but there's a huge rock in the face of it. Just, you know, you, you, you've seen the pictures before. And I think it was a summer, about a year and a half ago, uh, the first guy climbed the face of it uh, with no ropes. Freestyled 3,000 feet up the face of El Capitan. Just unbelievable. Well, I, a little while ago, I was watching, I think it was a Discovery Channel show or something, and it was doing, it was doing kind of a documentary on these guys who do these, these crazy freestyle climbing, and it's unbelievable. And they, they had these epic shots of these guys just totally you know, climbing the face of just these unbelievable uh, mountains and things. And at one point, I even watched this one guy, and this was just scared, like, scared me to death. Like My heart just dropped. I'm literally watching as this guy, 1,000 feet up in the air, no ropes. He realizes that he can't reach the next part of where he, you know, he's reaching, he's reaching, he can't reach it. So literally, a thousand feet above the ground, he leaps. His entire body is no longer touching the rock. And with his fingertips, grabs a little ledge and whoo, snags himself, catches it, and keeps climbing. I'm just sitting there like, I could never do that. That's, that's foolish. <laughs> I didn't see Jesus calling. <laughs> One of the interviewers asked him this question when he was done. The interviewer said, aren't you afraid of dying? That's the obvious question, right? Aren't you afraid of dying? I loved his response. 
should know? I'm actually not. What I'm afraid is that I'll get to the end of my life only discover that I never truly lived. How much more should we, as God's people, be willing to say, you know what, yeah, I know what Jesus is calling to me to seems a little scary. I know it's outside of my comfort zone. I know serving in a ministry is something I'm a little uncomfortable with. I know when God calls me to generosity and to sacrifice, I know that feels a little insecure. But I want to say this, the last thing you want is to get to the end of your life and realize that you never really lived, that your life didn't actually matter for anybody else. Deuteronomy chapter number 31 says this, be strong and of good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Can I say this? Stop being afraid of what could go wrong and think about what could go right as you focus on the promises of God. We see here, we're gonna step into a miracle. Yes, we've gotta step toward God's voice. We have to step here away from the status quo. We've got to step out of our comfort zone. Let me just end this really quick. Notice verse number 30. We didn't read it before. The Bible says, but when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, oh, thou little faith, where was didst thou doubt? You say, what is this? What does this remind us of? It's simply this. Here, Peter, he has his focus fixed on Jesus. Jesus said, come, he steps out of the boat. He steps onto the water. He's stepping into a miracle and he's got his heart. He's got his mind. He's got his eyes fixed on Jesus and he's walking and literally walking on water and he's moving toward Jesus. He has his heart, his eyes, his focus fixed on Jesus and then something happens and all of a sudden a wave crashes around him and then another wave crashes around him. He starts to hear the wind. He starts to see the seas and all of a sudden he gets distracted. No longer is he looking at Jesus. No longer is he focused on Jesus. Now all of a sudden he's focused on everything around him and the Bible says he begins to sink which leads us to our final thought here this evening and that is simply this yes step towards God's voice yes we've got to step away from the status quo we've got to step out of our comfort zone but I want to say this lastly we have to step up our focus on God step up our focus on God at the end of the day this is not just about dreams it's not just about miracles it's not just about being extraordinary it's about something bigger. It's about the person of Jesus and experiencing his uh, presence closer and more near. It is all about Jesus. And I want to remind you today that miracles are simply a byproduct of a life that is fixed and focused on the person of Jesus Christ. The goal is not the dream. The goal is not the miracle. The goal is not to be extraordinary. The goal is not to be awesome. The goal is to get to Jesus, to fix your heart on him, to fix your eyes on him and move towards his presence. And so I want to simply ask you this question today. What's keeping you in your boat? What's keeping you in your comfort zone? What's keeping you among the status quo? And what's keeping you from having the audacious faith to simply listen to the still, small, quiet voice of Jesus that says, come, come to my will. Come and experience the dream. Stop talking about it. Stop dreaming about it and start experiencing the life that I have designed for you. 
you will find that your best life lies just outside of your comfort zone as you fix your heart on Jesus. Make Jesus the focus. I love where the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. My friends, this is all about Jesus. But when you hook your wagon to Jesus, watch out because you're in for a ride. God's got big dreams for your life. He has big dreams for this church, but it's going to take a people who are willing to step toward God's voice, step away from the status quo, step out of their comfort zone and step up their focus on God. And that, my friend, is how you step into a miracle. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would allow our steps to be ordered by the Lord. I pray that we would not get so comfortable with our 21st century American lives that we miss out on the miraculous. We miss out on living the dream. Lord, I pray that you would not allow our lives to simply rot away in quiet desperation. Lord, I pray that by your grace and through your sovereignty, you would use our lives for something bigger than ourselves. I pray that you would remain the focus of all of our ambitions, all of our dreams, all of our motivations would be summed up in you. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.